Hey everybody, welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host, and today I have Raven Scott, who is a abuse survivor and the author of Empath of a Narcissist. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. I love everything that you stand for. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I I just hope that it can help shift things in the world eventually. I think that's the main goal for all of us. <laughs> yeah. See, so if it's all of a collective goal, then I think there is hope. There is hope for the future. I want to hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So your Empath of a Narcissist, is that a book that you wrote? Yes. It is a book I wrote, and I host a podcast with the same name. Okay, that's why I was confused. I was like, I thought it was a podcast, but then I thought it was a book. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I had a different name for my podcast, The Thriving Intuitive, for a while, and it just didn't do well in the search engine. So I'm like, well, let's just try this. So (laughs) everything all synced up once I just matched the name to the podcast and the book. Oh, All you have to do is start typing in narcissist and there you go. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) There's like a whole um, Excel sheet that I've downloaded from the internet, like what people are asking about it just to help me stay on track with like what to talk about. And it's like the longest Excel sheet ever of, like you know, all like just everything people search for with narcissist in it. You'd like type in a keyword and then boom. It pops up. No, that is so smart and organized. I love that. (laughs) I can send you the site. You can literally type in any word and then it'll tell you like what everyone's searching about that keyword. Mm -hmm. It's a super cool tool. It's free. I am behind in times. (laughs) (laughs) I just found this out like two, three weeks ago. So (laughs) right there with you. Awesome. Yeah. Send me that. That's cool. I will, yeah. So you know what people want to know about narcissists. Yeah, gosh, the biggest, most searched thing is, well, there's so many, but like, are narcissists violent is a blog I just wrote about. Um, Are narcissists ever happy? People search that. That like questions about codependency and narcissism, you know, because... It just, they get you so enmeshed and twisted up that all of a sudden you realize, well, I didn't know what codependency was until my therapist said it. And I was like, no, I'm not, but I really was. (laughs) And so like, but I think because this new movement about educating and talking about narcissism and narcissist has then brought about this term that usually only therapists know is codependency. Now it's like a normal layman's term, uh, codependency, which is like the enmeshment, um, a relationship where someone is enabling another person's bad behavior and justifying it for emotional satisfaction, like to get their needs met as well, they ignore the bad behavior. And that's pretty much what you do when you're in a relationship with a narcissist because you see all the breadcrumbs and the carrot they hold in front of you. I heard someone else talking about future giving or I forget. They said something about future forecasting. And like all of us are just trying to come up with language like what in the world they're doing. But they are literally promising you a vacation. They're promising you 
something of your dreams. And that's just it. It's just a promise. And they don't actually fulfill it with their actions. They don't follow through and you never get it. Or they might book it and show it to you. And then like in my circumstance, I would do something that he didn't like, which was not at all my fault. It was just like he was just dissatisfied. And then boom, the the vacation's canceled. So then they take it away from you and they use that to control you and punish you. Right. And probably didn't even book it anyways. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Maybe it wasn't even booked. Who knows? They can be pretty clever in trying to show you that they are loving you. Yeah, I just made an example in another podcast I created or blog about um, he fulfilled like he uh, placed a, a flower subscription. Like, okay, let me show you that I really love you. So he put it though on like auto, right? So you can do like through 1-800-Flowers, like flower subscriptions. And then you just put in your credit card number and you never think about it like after. And that's pretty much what it was. It wasn't like going to the store and thinking about your partner like, oh, what flowers are in season? Oh, she'd really love these. No, it's just a false front for like showing you that they love you. Oh, (laughs) yeah, no, I get that. I dated a few myself, unfortunately. And um, of course I did. I, oh, I wanted to go out on my birthday. Mm. And so he was returning the car stereo that he bought for me. You didn't buy any car stereo. You're just. (laughs) And he probably didn't take you out for your birthday either. No, actually he told me that um, he wished that I would die and get pulled out by a rip current. That was my happy birthday. Oh my gosh. I mean, what bigger sign yeah. for you to say sayonara, dude. That's just horrendous. Yes. I'm sorry that he said that to you. Yeah, you know, you, it was uh, crazy, but I'll, I, I have stories. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> Spill the tea, girl. <laughs> There's so many stories. Right. So were you married to him? Uh, yeah, we dated for, let's see, eight years and I was ready to grow up. We met when we were really young, like 17. I was ready to grow up. I wanted to start a family, but still he was adamant about not starting one. He didn't ever want one. And so I kept lying to myself that like, it's okay. I'll survive. I don't need a family. I just need to like have a marriage, like just feel normal. And so I finally convinced him and kind of wore him down. Like if this isn't going to happen, I'm going to leave. Cause I had left like six or seven other times before. It took me seven slash maybe eight. I've kind of lost track. Seven or eight attempts to finally leave. And so he's like, well, yeah, she has left before and she's really bothering me about this. So he did give me a marriage, but it was all on his terms. It was like, has to be at a courthouse with like, do it like a celebrity, like no witnesses, like super weird. Like he's like somebody, like someone famous. He's not. Means nothing. Like, this is just, I was like, okay, it's just our day. It makes us special. And yeah, it, it was like only dinner and we had like a wedding reception, but it was, yeah, it was all in his terms. No honeymoon, no nothing. It was just like to just to appease me as minimal effort as he could. Right. And of course, the marriage didn't fix anything. The problems remained the same, they just actually got worse. It's what it seems like a lot. As soon as you get married, it's like this whole new person emerges. I hear it all the time. 
I mean, you probably already knew what you were dealing with, but I think they kick it up a notch because now you're really there. You're theirs. Yeah. And I was so naive to think that like having somebody in a committed relationship on paper, like would make him grow up. I think that's like the falsest lie ever, no matter if they're a narcissist or not, like they're not going to grow up just because you have a piece of paper. That's just not how that works. They have to do the actual real emotional work for themselves. They have to go to therapy. They have to follow through with the actions. You can't just be like, oh yeah, he said he loves me. And you know, he's, yeah, he's kind of a pain in the butt most of the time, but he took me out on a really nice staycation and he made up for it. It's like, but if all the other times are just a headache and you feel like you're going crazy and you feel like worthless, that staycation weekend was not worth it at all. And for me, that staycation weekend always ended up in still more tragedy and more heartache and pain because the stakes get higher when you pay money for a room to stay at, you know? So right, it was just a nightmare. It was a nightmare. What I found very helpful is when you start seeing patterns like that, I would make a list of everything that I loved and I'd make a list of things that really bothered me. And when you're done and you actually take a look at that list, your your eyes are open and you're like, wow, I'm an idiot. <laughs> like, you know, like, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. And let, you could also go the other way where you're like, for me, I was so arrogant. I was like, well, but he'll come around. I can fix this part. I can like convince him to change on this part or that part, or I can put up with this or that. But you know, for me, the breaking point was he was never going to like even just listen to me and enjoy my happiness. You know, I came back from a trip I went with my family and they had all these beautiful children and I felt so relaxed there. I was like, just like such a huge break from the constant stress and anxiety I was always in in my own house. And so I came back and I was just sharing how nice it was and how relaxed I was and how sweet all the kids are. And I wasn't asking for any kids, but it was like he just went in on this whole rant about how they're awful people and they're breeders and people shouldn't have kids. And it was like there was zero empathy for how I felt. There was like no affirmation, no confirmation of my human existence, really, like what my experience was. And at that point, I was like, no, nope, he's never, ever, ever going to hear me. He's never going to even just like hold space for my emotions. And it took me a really long time to figure that out. But that was, that was the breaking point for me. Yeah. Well, not to say I, I wrote that and then really stayed away. I think I had to rewrite <laughs> it a few times as, you know, things were added. And then that was like the, okay, like you got to cut this out. <laughs> yeah. I think we all have our breaking point and all have our like persistent, like, let's keep giving it a go and keep trying. But because you think you can change them and you think, oh, because they do do something really nice. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, now this is where it's going to get better. And okay, he's actually taking the steps to do this yeah. and that. But you wait two days and it's it's over. <laughs> it's already done. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, give the actions to follow through a week if they can even last a week. And then if not, but for some reason we can like be pacified so easily like two days oh I'm good I'm hooked for another few months to put up with this BS <laughs> isn't it crazy <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's easier to be in the mud of your comfort versus like stepping out and 
getting out into a new environment, I was, I had really low self-esteem. So I was convinced myself that he was the only person going to actually truly love me. He had me convinced that he was the only person that truly loved me. And so I was like, well, I guess I would prefer to die a lonely old hag than put up with this BS any longer. Like I can't put up with this. Just can't. It's just too insane. Like I literally thought I was going to go to the loony bin. I, I just was so twisted up and so warped in, in my head and losing friends left and right because he's pitting me against them. I didn't have any connection with my family. Yeah, it's just, it's so lonely. Yeah, they like to divide and conquer. That's for sure. <laughs> and it's like, here, I can go and do all this stuff, but you can't. It's like, uh, sorry, but mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. It was always about, for me, his family. And I fell in love with his family, too. So I'm at fault for that. But at the same time, I, I they were glorified. And it was like, yep, everything is always about what he wants. It, there's no compromise. No meeting in the middle. No back and forth, no mutual reciprocation that just doesn't exist. And I didn't really realize that that was a thing because, again, I, he was my first person I was with, the first person I loved. So I guess, yeah, I just put up with it. <laughs> I mean, because you even said, like, you told him early on you did want kids. So to go through all that and then you're like... They're just dirty little people. <laughs> like, where was that? How many years ago? <laughs> I know. When we first met, I was babysitting someone's kids who we both mutually knew. And that was like my most favorite memories was like taking in the pool and taking a nap after the pool because they were toddlers. Like, and I took a nap too. Like, that was the best. But I, I put that aside. I pushed that down and I thought that I could sacrifice myself just to be loved by this person who I thought was like up on a pedestal. And of course, they don't care. He didn't care if I wanted them. He was going to continue to convince me that it was the right thing to do and we didn't need any and the world doesn't need any more. It's like, I don't, I don't think we can play God either way. You know, I don't think that that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> There are some beautiful children who accidentally have come onto the earth that are like amazing, you know. Oh, of course. I think almost everyone I know say they were an oopsie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All the powerful ones are the oopsies, right? That's right. <laughs> so how long were you married for? Yeah, um, two years. Just two years. Not too bad. <laughs> okay. So it wasn't like 14 years of your life or something. No. And I had, I was already getting to that point, right? I was pushing him to get married because I wanted to have a normal life. And so I was, I was just feeling the huge Saturn return urge. And that was part of it. And then when it fell apart, thinking that that was going to fix it and like get everything responsible, it just imploded in my face. And like I said, we, we didn't take a honeymoon, but we went to Hawaii and we had a horrible trip and I drank like a whole bunch of vodka and I just wanted to just be happy and sleep in peace on the beach for forever. And it was just like the worst. So when we got back and that didn't happen, I was like, okay, I really need to do something. Like I need to get out. And so I went on that trip with my family, came back 
and he didn't hear me. And then another night, you know, we had an argument and he slapped me in the face. And so I was like, that's it. I'm moving out. This is not healthy. Even if we're going to work on our marriage together, I'm not going to stay here in this house. So that was my big like push of responsibility. Yeah, I just... I just had to sign a lease to get out, though, because like I said, I've left like seven other times before to a friend's house, to a grandma's house, to a parent's house. None of it stuck because it was so easy to get this term they say now, hoovered. I don't know any of these terms when you're actually in this scenario. They hoovered me back I've never heard of that one. Okay, so hoovering is like, it's just an emotional tactic to guilt you back into the relationship or the um like to to smooth out the conflict you just had and for me actually I reverse hoovered myself which is another term where I felt guilty and I felt like I overreacted to the the argument so I would like reach out and I would text or I'd email I'm like I really overreacted I'm not sure why I'm here at my friend's house you know what I mean and then they like they just kind of like use the right magic words to get you back in so I knew that was gonna happen again I was smart enough to know so I got a lease I signed it. I was like legally bound to this new place. And so that's really how I was able to get out. Good for you. I mean, especially if he's starting to up the ante, you already know what's coming ahead. I mean, that's not going to stop. And it's that'll just keep getting worse. Yeah, he was getting more and more physically dominating because I was pushing back verbally and emotionally. He realized that he couldn't control me as well as he could before. So then he would use like, you know, he would get really close up into my face and kind of like get me backed up against the wall and things that were like, I'm not really like, can't be put reported by the police, but I'm definitely going to intimidate her and make sure that she knows like who's in control here. And yeah. So I was like, okay, this is, this is not healthy. I need out. That's one thing I definitely noticed when control has been taken from them, they do not handle that very well at all. Like I look at my phone and have like 70 text messages. Like it's boom, 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 boom. And you're just like, holy crap, like crazy. They lose it. Yeah. And you think as a, as a person, you're like, oh, well, I should respond to them. But you really, the last thing you want to do is to respond to them. It's like a dog in the red. Yeah, exactly. They win. And it's like a dog in the red. Like, do you touch a dog who is in the red? They're going to bite you. Like, so you don't react to the narcissist texting you, barraging you with texts over and over because you're not picking up the phone and answering. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you just send an emoji, they win. You (laughs) responded to that. Right. You have to completely just no, don't do it. That means so much more. (laughs) <laughs> it does because they can't handle it. They feel like that's how they control you is to continue to keep you engaged and continue to feed that energy. It's like a fire. You know, if you're the wood and they're the fire, if you remove, actually, maybe you're the air, right? Like when you remove air, which is actually, ironically, in the elemental world, air is a symbol of communication and words. And when you remove the air, there's no more fire. There's no more fuel for any of that negativity to persist. And that's just your your number one way to defeat the narcissist is to literally go no contact. Block them. Cut them out. Don't respond. Because they will get you back in the loop. (laughs) They will. It's, It's what they do. And it's not like you're talking to a person who's upset and then eventually will calm down and be rational. 
They can use the information you're giving them in this back and forth against you. They turn it around. Uh, even going to couples therapy, I've heard, is actually not good with a, a real NPD narcissist because they will then use that information. They'll play the therapist and then they'll use the information that you vulnerably revealed in therapy against you in your arguments and, you know, in, in your conflicts moving forward or to control you or to blackmail you. I can so see that because they feed off of your insecurities. You know, if you say, oh, I feel like I have big eyes or I have this or that. That's what they're going to use against you to get at you when they are mad at you. They are going to go for whatever it is that you are self-conscious about. It's just that's their go-to. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just giant like toddlers. That's really what they are. That's pretty much their emotional intelligence. So if you, you know, to help you feel, not feel bad that you're like cutting them off. Oh, I feel so bad. I'm such a bad person. Well, you are dealing with a giant toddler. So the best thing to do with a toddler when they're throwing a temper tantrum is to not react and to stand there and wait for them to calm down. (laughs) You know, you don't say anything. You don't console them. You just patiently wait until they're ready to talk. And that's with the toddler. So obviously they've been, they've, perfected their temper tantrums as an adult. And so it's even once they calm down, it's really not good. I love that though. A giant toddler. (laughs) They are. I mean, I think that's helped me forgive my ex because that's really what I imagine him as. It's just tiny. So you hear that girls, if you're dealing with the narcissist, picture his head on like a big Buddha with like a diaper and just. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Flailing and kicking and screaming and crying. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But you're not the mom either, so don't pick them up. (laughs) That's the real mom's job to do, which they failed at more than likely. And most don't really have that close of a relationship with their mothers. Some do, and some are like almost romantic partners with their mothers in a creepy way. Yeah, Mm -hmm. some are very, very close, and some are... Not at all. Yeah. It, it, there's either way it's unhealthy, right? Like it's either a very unhealthy there, you know, the narcissist is on the pedestal for that mother. And maybe that mother didn't receive romantic, proper emotional love from her partner. So she transferred that to the son. And typically if the son was the first, the other sons consequently don't get that type of treatment. So it shifts and changes that mindset of who they are, their identity enables them to think that they can get whatever they want, you know? So you've got that playing. And then you've got one where it's like the mother abandoned them and left or traumatized them or all, all, to, all sorts of things. But I had someone on my podcast and he worked with sociopaths and narcissists and I loved his input. And he said that 99.9% of narcissists and sociopaths have childhood abuse in their history, some way, shape or form. No, I totally agree that I actually talk a lot about that. Um, when I was watching like the shows and reporting on that, I was trying to tell people like, you don't understand, like abusing your children, like nobody's safe. You don't, you don't know what you're doing. Almost all serial killers were molested as young boys and Arlene Wernos was, and you know, like all kinds, it's just, it's the cycle. It's the cycle. It's, we got to break the cycle on so many different levels. Yes, it is. 
Have you reported on the new Dahmer Netflix that people are kind of in conflict about watching? No, I haven't watched it. The victims are not happy that it's out because it's like really gruesome. Right. And so I get like people are interested in it, but you have to think about the families because now you're bringing all this back up again and it's just, they want to move on. They don't want this keep being lived. So I feel, I feel for the families. Yeah. It's so difficult. It's great for education and awareness, but is it really doing that? I don't think that their agenda was quite that. I feel like it was more of entertainment, which is really hard. It's for the money. Yeah. You're putting other people's lives out there again, just so you can make a buck. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. But so many victims of emotional abuse are not, Uh, brought up right like they don't speak about it they don't really talk about it because there's so much shame around it so you know you can glorify this right horrible like psychopath and watch it like the thrill of how can someone do that but then right next to you or your neighbor next to you hasn't said anything about how they've been emotionally abused and the trauma that they've endured because there's still so much shame and cloud over well emotional abuse ah just you know, suck up your upper lip and get on and move on. But it is very, it is the same as physical abuse or anything traumatic like that. It's, it should be treated as such. And I think we're becoming more aware and awake to that, but we still have a lot more work to do. Oh, absolutely. But no, I definitely agree. Cause those are scars that you wear deep. Mm-hmm. You, those, those scars don't heal. And you carry those with you for the rest of your life. As much as you think that you might put them out of your head, they're always going to pop back out. So, I mean, they don't go anywhere. Yeah. And the trigger word is now trigger. Everyone's using trigger, trigger, trigger. That's that's what you're talking about. Is that scar getting poked on the inside of the emotion? It's like, ah, so I'm going to react and I'm going to yell and I'm going to do this. And that's probably what's happening most of the time with the narcissist is your if you are not complying with everything that fits in their box and their control, it's emotionally unsafe and it's triggering. So they feel like they have the right to put you in your place, but that's not how we do it. That's not how we handle trigger. We need to elevate our emotional intelligence to be able to sit with it ourselves. I talk a lot on my podcast to the empaths, you know, who has one of whom I'm talking to is be able to sit in the uncomfortable feelings Because that's where the transmutation and the transformation of that emotional scar is going to be able to become gold, right? Instead of like a black emotional scar inside you, you can kind of transform each one to like a gold, shimmering, sparkly one. But you can't do it until you sit in that uncomfortable stickiness and go, hmm, where did I feel this the very first time? And then transmute that, especially around the full moon. You can burn it and have a little ritual about it, which I do all the time. On, uh, what was it, 222, the portal was open. And so I wrote so much stuff down. The landscape portal. <laughs> Burned some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Major emotional purge that day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can do it anytime. And I had me quite a few vodkas that night, too. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you can do it any day. The most potent is any full moon. So we have a monthly opportunity to do it. Um, yeah, but anytime you can get it out of your body, you know, pull it out and write it down and burn it. It's, it, it just removes that extra layer. You're not carrying that anymore. So it's been a favorite thing for me to do. Yeah. I saw this guy posted on Instagram. It said, um, I think his name's like Michael Unbroken. And he's like about getting people back. Yeah, to- I, I was on his podcast, Think I'm Broken. Yeah, Michael. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> he's so great. he had put that uh, pretty much in order to heal it, you have to feel it. And I was like, yeah. oh, I love that because it is <laughs> yeah. so true. Yes. Yeah, he's spot on. How can you get to the root of it if you don't know where it's coming from? Yes. And I just uh, interviewed someone else from a podcast. Uh, it just aired actually this week, October, um, what is it, the 10th. And she talked about, because she actually talked on the episode about healing sexual trauma. She was molested by her uncle and just kind of t- teaching us as empaths, like, how do we regain our confidence? Because I know for me, I was sexually abused and some others may because a lot of it actually, I hear a lot more like, oh yeah, my narcissist liked me to wear high heels. And so that leads me to believe that a lot more of us are having issues with the narcissist in the bedroom. Therefore, that is abuse there. And she talked about like when you're sitting, if you feel it, you start to feel the trigger and you push it down. And I thought, oh, that's like a a bell ringing. So when you hit the bell, if you grab the bell real quick, it stops resounding. It stops vibrating. She was talking about our emotions are like vibrations. And you can't fully go through the vibration of that one ding, which is your emotion, to cleanse it out and to let it come out if you grab the bell and stop the dinging. It just keeps getting shoved down and then you're not feeling it and then you can't heal it. You are a survivor yourself. What did you do to help you kind of overcome? Because I know that can leave some very serious scars for a long time. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. Hmm, Thank you. I'm sorry that you have experienced them too. And you've been called horrible things and had horrible things said to you. It just should never happen. No, it shouldn't. Yeah. I I I had a long journey. Um, It's been 10 years now. And I I had a lot of really intense PTSD when I first left. So I would feel like my body being literally stretched like a rubber band and then back and forth. It was the weirdest sensation. I can't even describe it other than like I've had that sensation when I was a child when I had like a really high fever and I felt like I was being stretched by a rubber band. But this this was just PTSD. It was just like something would happen. And then I'd be like, oh, I just like my body would go in weirdness. I had to pull over my car at one time. I was like crying because it just hits you. You know what? You hear a song or you smell something and wham, it hits you. And so I went to therapy to help with that. She gave just gave me the space to identify. I think that's the first step is identifying that you have been abused in this way, in this way or whatever way. And then for me, also identifying that I was codependent. So I was like, okay, well, now I know I have something I can physically work on myself because I can't control the other things that happened to me, but I can control how I move forward and to stop the pattern. And so I just started diving deep into different um, 
therapies, the EFT tapping to help me with the PTSD. Meditations really help calm my nerves. Um, it helped me be a much better and calmer mother. When I first got pregnant, I was like, now I really got to do the work. Because I was like, if this, if this is a girl, which she was, then I'm really going to buckle down, God. I promise. <laughs> I promise. So I just kept working and kept reading the self-development books, you know, jo Dr. Joe Vitale and by Daniela Laporte and by um, Jensen Charo. Like, I just like dove deep into the world of just self-improvement and, and spiritual world. No, that's great. I mean, I think there's no other better way to find yourself than doing something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And I, I found astrology, which I love. I found human design, which was helpful. Just we have we have all these tools at our disposal, but sometimes we don't know they're there because maybe we were raised in a certain ideology or dogma that says those are evil and don't touch those. And so it's just a journey for all of us to wind left and right and to find like what feels good to you and go spending time in nature and grounding is like one of my most favorite things to listen to my intuition. I talk a lot about that. I have workshops. So, so I have put a whole bunch of different exercises and tools that I'm trying to communicate, probably not very eloquently, in uh, these workshops. I have a free workshop that you can um, get. Just DM me at Raven Scott Show free gift, and it'll automatically send you to the page you can get it. And I've created a, a paid workshop to help you how to leave a narcissist. So it includes rituals, all the rituals that I really feel have helped me. It includes disciplined practices and meditations that I help guide you in as a certified meditation teacher. And yeah, just I'm trying to share all the things because there's probably like a hundred of, of them that have helped me heal. <laughs> so it's not just one thing. It's whatever works for you. No, it's good. Right. And I'm sure while you're like helping other people, that's helping you as well. So it's like, yeah, it has. It has deepened. Yeah. Yeah, it has deepened that experience of being able to hear other people's stories and being able to uh, validate them. That's healing for me, too, because it's also revalidating me, you know, and being able to hold space and hear how my book has empowered them to stand up and change the trajectory of their life and the story and it's just been amazing. That's yeah, empowering. So. Mm -hmm. It is. It's, it's exciting to hear it's empowering others. Like I, I'm only one person and I have one path. But if, you know, if I can just help one other, then yeah, I've, that's what I, why I wrote my book. If I can have one other person realize that they're not going crazy, then I've, I really am happy. Like I've done my job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's really what I'm here for, too. I would like to help people either to not go down the same road or if so, see the signs. Because yeah. some people, they, they think it's normal. And it's like, this is not love. Love doesn't tell you what you can wear to leave yeah. the house. Love doesn't tell you who you're allowed to hang out with. That's that's not love. Yeah. That, I mean, that's literally lack of freedom. That is not love and controlling and manipulative, putting you, you know, pitting you against other people. Yeah. It's not love. And I think the thing about them thinking it's normal 
it kind of goes back to the root. This is why I like that whole ceremony where you are sitting with your uncomfortable feelings and then you try and think back the first time you felt that uncomfortable feeling, like where's the root? And like for me, I'm only going to speak about my personal experience, like 99.9% of the time, it went back to around about age seven, five, nine, you know, the childhood, the childhood wounds. And were you raised in a house where, yes, it was loving, or maybe it was obviously not loving. Everyone has their different thing. But was it controlling? Was it manipulative? And I find that a lot of the times it is because so many of us were raised in a very traditional dogma household. So it's, which is very, very toxic. You know, your parents are supposed to be the overlords over you and you're supposed to respect them no matter what they say. There's like zero teamwork in any of that in our generation. And so it's really having a huge negative effect either way, right? Where there's the impasse that are the victims and then there's the narcissists who are hurting others because of this type of patriarchy dominating ideology over your children. Yeah. I mean, you take that and sometimes people project it. They do. I mean, I think that's why I personally was drawn to this type of people. It's just, I kind of grew up that way, you know, like you didn't do anything right, yada, yada. So then when you get into a relationship, well, this seems like normal. <laughs> this is what I'm used to. So it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big thing I wish and I'm dreaming of helping change in society is not normalizing this behavior. You know, abuse should not be normalized, but it is normalized because your parent might have said to you, you know, you're not good enough. I'm sorry. You're not good enough here, here, or here. You know, get better at this or you're, so, you're such an idiot. Like whatever they say or like, oh, you did bad. And then they spank you. And then the next breath, they're like, I love you. And you're, they're holding you. It's like, I'm so confused. Like what is normal? What is love? <laughs> This doesn't feel right, but you just experience it every day in your childhood. And you're like, well, I guess this is love. It's transactional. If I do this and I, and I keep her happy, then I'm safe. Then we're good. And it's like, and then I found myself doing the same pattern. If I keep him happy, I make sure I cook the food exactly how he wants. I make sure I say the things. I make sure I wear the high heels. He's happy. I'm good. Everything's safe. It's like any moment I like have my own autonomy. That's when the conflict comes up. And that's what we need to fix. Absolutely. That's that's my goal as well. It's time to put a big Band-Aid and a big hug over like everybody. Say, can we start fresh, please? <laughs> Let's just get rid of all this toxicity <laughs> yeah. and just start fresh. Absolutely. Yeah, we all need to join and rise up together. Wouldn't that be nice? Each of us is like a little flashlight. So we're going to, well, us two, we're going to put our flashlights together and we had a brighter light. And I was going to get more, absolutely, so many more coming mm -hmm. onto that same page of love and autonomy, inclusivity, Join the joining our light flashlights together so we can dispel the darkness of narcissism that pervades the world, pervades our societies. It seems like you'd start seeing traits of more and more. Now, I do believe that the word is thrown around sometimes a little too oh, loosely sure. to where it doesn't really like somebody could, I don't know, like this guy staring in the w mirror for 20 minutes. He's a narcissist. Like, 
no, you might be like metrosexual. Okay. <laughs> you know, like, no, but like they, they do, they use it a lot, but there yeah. is such a thing and it really does exist. And there's a huge number of them out there. Yeah. I do appreciate you bringing that up because we can so easily, especially with social media, label this person that and label this person the narcissist. I was like, oh, well, maybe she's just being self-centered. And that's that's a human shadow, too, that normal people can experience being self-centered a bit. But are they willing to be empathetic towards you? Are they willing to say, I'm sorry, like, and actually shift their behavior to change for the next time, for the better the next time and next time? So... Yeah, not everyone who's selfish is a narcissist. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little clarification. <laughs> it's perfect. We need it because be especially with social media, it's like something swings and there's a movement happening and it swings too far to the other side, right? It's like no one knew what narcissism even was. Even if you went to psych school, they were like, ah, narcissism let's talk it for about a second haha ha, let's make a joke about it and then let's move on to talk about other things then you have this movement and then whoof, the pendulum is swung that everyone's a narcissist and then you've like it's like net fishing you can't net fish and catch all the dolphin and crabs when you're only trying to catch the mackerel like let's just be a little bit more conscious about this movement right our awareness yeah i love it thank you for bringing yeah that absolutely <laughs> They have to at least check at least like four or five traits <laughs> before they yeah. can go that route. <laughs> yeah. Litmus test them and then give them time, right? Time and action is the true litmus test to if they're willing to be a partnership in a relationship for growth or if they just want what they want and they're stuck in their narcissistic ways. Yeah, that's it's usually a uh, number B. <laughs> yeah. Usually, but give it time and make sure you're a scientist about it and let me stuff. Yes. <laughs> make notes. <laughs> make a list. I'm telling you. Keep a journal. Yeah. 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 I would tell my friend that a lot when she was dealing with her uh, son's father and he would do really off the wall, wacky things. And I said, you need to start a journal. You need the date, the time and exactly like what happened because it got weird. But same thing with that. If you need to see it on paper to know that, you know, you're not crazy because I'm sure they tell you that you are, <laughs> that, you know, you have the proof to go back on to show yourself. Well, especially with custody stuff. Yeah. I had a guest a long time ago. She was in the most horrific abusive relationship since she was 12 with this dude and she had four children and got out maybe like late 20s early 30s I can't remember what what her age was but and I mean he held a gun to her head like bad and that was her ending but the ending of the relationship then she was at a move on but um she kept all of the letters he wrote her after every incident he would write an apology and he would admit what he did when his true guilt feelings. And she's like, I kept them. And she even kept them like to this day after she's been out for forever and she has adult children. She's like, I, it just gave me like, like you say, it, it brought my sanity back to me. And it said, this is this. I truly experienced this and I, I am not crazy. I did experience this. 
everyone outside the world thought that he was perfect. This is the real him. And I, I really truly experienced it because especially even if you're in it, the narcissist will gaslight you and say, I didn't say that. I didn't do that. You did it, you know? And then you're like, wait, I'm pretty sure I didn't. This is like, so if you have the journal, like you said, then you'll know for sure. You'll have the proof and evidence and the facts. And especially with custody, it's really important to have evidence because they will, uh, caress, not They'll be very charismatic with uh, the judge. (laughs) (laughs) All I could think of was caress. They will caress their words to make sure the judge thinks they're perfect. And they will (laughs) somehow be able to win at least half custody. And that's that's not fair and fun. So have all the evidence in your journals, voice recordings if you can, and emails. Yeah. I think we've all experienced at least one narcissist in our life, or at least, let's say, one person that made us feel crazy when we were trying to have a relationship with them through conflict. And you're like, I just don't know what's happening. I don't know what to do with this person. I don't know how to fix it. Then, you know, then you kind of Google it and then you start seeing things and you're like, oh, maybe they were a narcissist. Maybe they are a narcissist. And I think that's where people kind of throw around the word because they kind of self-diagnose. They become like their own psychologists by Googling. And that's where they're like, oh, yes, this person was a narcissist. And as long as that helps you, that's wonderful. But just be careful, you know, not to outwardly slander people around. <clears throat> but, yeah, it's, re- it's all the information is for you and your healing karma will come back to them so you don't have to worry about dragging their name through the mud because i mean of course they're already trying to do that to you especially if you've left one or whatever but karma will come back don't worry just focus on you see it's definitely it's definitely gotten out there and people are intrigued (laughs) oh yeah ever noticed like they're all like a salesman or a saleswoman Women can be narcissists too. Yeah. Let's throw that one out there too. <laughs> yes. Totally agree with that. Got a couple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> In my Have story. you had one on your podcast? Um, no. That would be cool to have, actually. I don't, I'm just thinking of the couple in my life. Yes. I've self I've self reassured myself that they are just to help me with my boundaries, you know? Like I said. <laughs> gotta do especially especially with women and if you find yourself not trusting women like innately oh gotcha gotcha no absolutely you gotta do what you gotta do <laughs> well, right because they know how to get what they want so it doesn't matter like you could throw anything at them and they have a rebuttal for you because their end game is to get what they want and they are going to make sure they succeed at that. So they can sell ice to an igloo. (laughs) They can. And they have been doing it since as probably as soon as they could talk. That's the difficult part about it is if the parent doesn't catch it and the parent's not setting proper boundaries, following through and they receive consequences and realize, Oh, like, 
relationships are a two-way street and they just always get what they want or they're enabled um, and or they're asking for something the parent says no and then they're able to finagle that and guilt that parent and then they give in the parent gives in so they've been practicing this for quite some time like since probably five or so or younger i mean we all are teeny tiny little narcissists as toddlers because that's how we survive but then eventually you learn to grow up mature and age out of that that's why i kind of call them as giant emotional toddlers because they never grew out of that phase so either you know someone did not teach them how to did not condition them to be a thriving uh, society a member of society to reciprocate to receive to listen to have empathy so yeah they've been practicing to sell ice to an um eskimo for ages (laughs) do you think they could change do you think that's anywhere in their DNA? If they sought the proper channels, do you think it's possible? I have seen some self-aware narcissists and actually doing a um, summit with a couple. And they totally outright, I'm like, yes, I am diagnosed a narcissist. I go to therapy. Now, I don't know how often they still go to therapy because now they're talking on a platform about it. I, I'm assuming that they go, but what needs to happen if you are aware and you're an adult? Because once you hit 18, the like it's game over. You're like locked in as subconsciously being a narcissist. So if you wake up to it and you want to shift, then you need to go to therapy and first of all get diagnosed. Make sure that your assumption possibly is right. But it's like a lifelong thing, really. I mean, you have to rewrite a whole bunch of subconscious neurons like that's not going to happen overnight you're going to have to do like a lifetime of therapy constantly being aware of your bad patterns maybe having someone your partner if they're strong enough to call you out on it I mean I think that's the only way that it can change but how many narcissists have you met that are really willing to do that and put in the work oh not at all but I was just curious (laughs) because somebody at home (laughs) There's a few. Someone at home is saying, yeah, yeah, but I bet I can change him. And I I don't, I don't think. No, no, you cannot. No, no, my loves, you cannot change them. The therapist, actually, I had a therapist on my podcast and she said, even if the best case scenario as a therapist is I was able to change the narcissist, I would not expect it to be like, you know, there's a scale of expectations of how healed your client gets. Like you only expect the narcissist to really ever shift from the scale from, let's say they're really high, like a hundred percent NPD down to maybe 90%, like as a professional therapist and you're like, know what you're doing, you know, what's happening with the psyche. They're not expecting to bring this narcissist all the way at a hundred percent healthy functioning, emotional, intelligent, like let's say down to the healthy balance of 25%, you know, no, they're just, they're just hoping for 10%. And that's after years and years. So definitely if you're with them, I made the mistake. You cannot change the narcissist as, especially as the lover, because you're not actually the lover to the narcissist. You're just the catch. You're just the prize and they possess you. So anything that they possess, that's not going to control them. That's not going to change them. So um, I'm sorry that 
you may be in La La Land if you think you can <laughs> convince them. Because I certainly was, and I'm guilty of that. So <laughs> I hope that helps. I mean, I get you want it though so bad, but you know, you just got to come to terms. It's, it's a loss. It's a loss. It's like a condemned house. I mean, it's condemned for a reason. There's no need to live in it when you can move out and get a new house. And it's clean and fresh and healthy. There's, there's just no need. Yes. It's too much work. And it'll... Mental health is too important. And all they want to do is tear you down. And the worst thing you can do is listen and think that everything they're saying to you mm -hmm. is true. Because it's not. It's only to hurt you. Yeah, it's only to keep you and control you in their net. Yeah. Yeah, a deep, dark vortex is what I call it. That's what I sensed. I was being pulled down under at the end. Deep, like just closing my eyes and I could see it and feel it. The deep, dark vortex. I politely decline. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Please get me a lifeboat, a lifeline out. And I phone yes, a friend. Thank you. <laughs> and there's so many. This is such a beautiful time to realize you need a lifeline because there's so many people awakened who are coaches who, you know, there are so many therapists. There are just people talking about it and that can pull you out. Yes. That's you the know? beauty of it. There never used to be stuff out there. So now the resources are there. You, you got to use them. Well, it's so great. I mean, how many of us dealt with it and no one knew what this was? Like, what is wrong with these people? Well, then there was a name for it. And you're like, oh, yeah. it makes sense now. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And when I, when I, I crawled myself out of the, my dark vortex and when I went to therapy, that, that the N word was never mentioned. It was just emotional abuse and sexual abuse. There was no, and that's fine. That's all I needed to heal. So, I mean, that's the other thing, like you said, people throwing the word around, it helps, you know, mentally, but it's really not exactly it's more just emotional abuse by a narcissist. That was mine. Mental and emotional. <laughs> yeah. Mental and emotional. Yeah. Yeah, because they're smart. They don't want to get caught. Mine was afraid to go to jail. He was never going to touch me. <laughs> he did not want a police report. <laughs> but yeah, all the way to the very end. Yeah, they're, they're wimps. They're giant toddlers. I found my way out and I healed and I was able to have my babies. It's so important to know that you, you can have that. Good for you. See what happens when you don't settle. Yeah. Exactly. That was something else that I was trying to tell the audience is that even if you're in a horrible place right now, you can still have anything you want. Just kind of manifest it. The whole world is yours. Step by step. Yeah, you have to lean in to believe that you're, you are worthy of it. And you are just because you breathe. So don't let your parents' scenarios, your own negative narrative, don't let anything tell you that you're not worthy of it just because, oh, you're not smart enough or whatever. Your, your dreams, you're worthy of your dreams because you breathe. That's it. a low requirement it is it's amazing 
you have it. You just have to believe that you can have it. Of course, you have to do the steps and the discipline to do it, but absolutely, you you can have it if you want it. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Is there anything else that you wanted to share? Any tips, tricks, or anything else you could think of? No, I just want to encourage everyone to know that you are unique. You know, not not and all of us have a different path. So don't feel guilty or bad. Like don't be so hard on yourself that maybe it'll take you a couple times or it might not be like tomorrow you can leave or the next day, but eventually it will come. You just have to have faith in yourself and take the baby steps and know that you deserve it. And then once you fully get out and you're free, then you'll feel a lot lighter. But if you're stuck in it, just know that it takes time and be patient with yourself and just continue to be diligent. Yeah, you can't expect it overnight. It's going to take time. You got to put in the time. Yes. I always say it's like um, you go to the gym and you want to get fit. Well, you're not going to get fit by tomorrow. You have to go in and put in the discipline. It's the same thing with the emotional exercises. Put in the discipline every day and you just get stronger and stronger. And because mine was so weak, that's been my motivation is and and last 10 years of the journey of getting emotionally fit. I didn't care if I was physically fit quite yet. I was like, I'm going to get emotionally fit. And then, you know, all of that kind of comes along. You start to go out in nature more, you start to get physically fit. You love the endorphins and all that. So, yeah. Absolutely. I noticed that too. It's just like, it seemed like just everything was like getting brighter. Everything was just like coming together. And it's like, oh, you can like breathe, sigh of relief. Like, okay, this is what's meant to be. (laughs) Absolutely. Totally meant to be. And you're not meant to be with somebody who is controlling you and possessing you. Just not meant to be with that person even though they may make you feel like that. Yeah, absolutely not. (laughs) If somebody is interested in your book, is it on Amazon or where do you have that? Yes, it's um, all the forms on Amazon, paperback, Kindle and hardcover, as well as on Audible. And it's Empath and the Narcissist by Raven Scott. There's a huge subtitle, How to Overcome Narcissistic Abuse, PTSD, Manipulation and all that fun jazz. And yeah, you can listen to it on Audible. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, you guys, make sure that you check out her podcast and her book, Empath of a Narcissist. Don't forget, head over to crimeovercocktails.com where you can listen to the episodes, check out merch. Pretty much everything you need is there. If you need resources, I got you. All right, you guys, we'll talk crime another time. Bye.